Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz, and this is episode number 29 coming at you live and direct from Isolation Station, deep in the Sierra Nevada foothills of Northern California. And I gotta tell you, I don't even know where to start, but I am so grateful. You are tuning in. Just three weeks of total insanity since I last spoke to y'all here on the Upful Life podcast. So I hope everybody that's tuning in is in a safe place, is healthy, and uh, has begun to process the new reality. It's like the virus madness insanity took shape right after I dropped episode 28 with Jessica Dore. And uh, just overwhelmed by everything like everyone else. It's it's like, I don't even know where to start. I'm not going to pontificate on the virus or any of the political or any of that shit. That's not what this is for. But uh, normally I'm coming at you live and direct from the Vibe Junkie Studios in Oakland, California, but... For episode 29, uh, you're hearing me from Isolation Station up here in the Sierra Nevada foothills in Northern California, not far from Grass Valley, where I lived for about five years before I moved uh, to Oakland with my fiance Alicia. And she's up here with me. Uh, I've been up here three weeks uh, here on this sprawling, beautiful ranch farm glory. Uh, in a shift pod on the side of a mountain, Burning Man style shift pod, like yurt situation. Alicia, uh, the only time I left the land before today was to get Alicia uh, when her restaurant uh, was forced uh, to close for a 
unforeseen amount of time and uh, eventually she was let go of from her job of five years like so many americans millions of people around the world that's their reality and uh, you know my heart goes out to each and every one of you who's been so adversely affected um, and before i go any further and i just want to acknowledge you know you see a lot of social media posts do you know anyone that actually has the virus um, so you know, over time i think everybody's going to be able to say that but i happen to know two really awesome cats uh personally who have been battling the virus and seem to be on the uh the side of, of recuperation and that's my man richie g out there and dom d two really uh, monumental humans that i've come to know over the years so if you're out there listening uh both of y'all are generally in the greater new york area shout out to richie g and dom d we're pulling for you um and now this podcast the up to life podcast is normally a sort of long form uh interview situation with an artist or maybe a long interview and then a short interview but we're going to switch up the mo to adapt on the fly and bring you some content and programming uh, relative to what we're facing uh, collectively individually etc um so we're gonna transition the sort of blueprint for this podcast from the long form deep dive interview to a series of shorter check-ins around the culture just want to hear from people uh what they're living through how they're living through it what they're up against and what they're planning creating inspiring motivating and giving birth to in terms of moving forward and how we're going to you know uh navigate this foreboding uncertain future continue to support our communities one another ourselves self-care loving one another and lifting each other up and i want to be a conduit and a platform for that here at the up for life podcast so we're going to uh, later for that music nerd shit and uh really just be in service instead so i came up with a plan that i would just call peeps i know and just check in with them and hear what they're up to and what they're doing about it um, so that's what's going to happen here. It's going to be a bit more regular instead of every three weeks. I like to do one every week. Now, as I mentioned, I'm out on this piece of land. I'm working on a really uh, just shoddy uh, Wi-Fi hotspot situation out in the sticks. So I had to drive down here to my friend's, my dear friend Maria's place where she uh, lives uh, about 40 minutes from where I'm staying and she's not even here she's been isolating on her own terms uh, but i'm you know i'm recording in my car and and keeping a healthy social distance and trying to keep my uh, exposure circle limited since i have had the privilege of being so far and remote that i am doing my damnedest not to uh, interact even with those dearest to me outside of the select few souls that uh, i've decamped to this land with now, that being said, uh, we're just going to roll out three interviews and uh, probably a song at the very end, but we'll see where this goes for this show moving forward. Ideally, I'd like to get back to the original MO once we enter a new normal uh, culturally and 
and in the music industry, then I would love to transition to the long-form deep dive that you've come to know and love from the Upful Life podcast. But we're going to uh, roll with the punches, as they say. So I called upon some really wonderful souls to uh, sort of be a man and woman on the scene and give us a state of the proverbial union from where they stay. So we'll start things off with uh, my former boss at Live For Life Music and one of the most dynamite and inspiring forces of nature in the music industry that I am so privileged to be a member of, and that's Miss Kendall Corso. Uh, Kendall was the creative director and editor-in-chief at Live For Life Music for some time. We worked together for years. Uh, it was an absolute joy and a privilege collaborate with her on a number of things she always uh was interested in green lighting my passion projects and i'm forever in her debt so with that said uh she's a big major cog in the wheel of backline which is a nonprofit organization that came together a few months back with including uh hillary gleason who was uh, on this podcast uh, some time ago as well and uh I wanted to reach out to Kendall because I knew the work she's doing for, you know, mental health resources and and different endeavors to support the music community. Now, it was established in the wake of some high-profile suicides and addiction overdoses that rocked the music community, but really, uh, as she'll explain, it's just set, set things up so they could be in service for this calamity and catastrophe and typhoon tsunami whatever you want to call it, this wave that has engulfed so many industries but particularly entertainment and music so we're going to check in with kendall she's down in florida uh, and she's going to let us know what she's doing and what backline is doing very wise words and and heart-filling empowering words from such a uh, bright young spirit miss kendall corso so we're going to let the reggae music ride out a little bit. That's been my uh, musical prescription thus far as reggae, just hearing the Rastaman uh, neck deep in sophoration, chanting the glory of God has been a real source of meditation and peace, tranquility for me in these troubling times. So think positive. And here comes Kendall Corso, backline. Hey. Hey, Kendall. Hello there. You hear me good? Yes. Awesome. Well, it's unfortunate uh, that we're getting together on the phone here for the circumstances that they are, but I must say it is a, a joy to hear your voice. How are you? I'm not too bad, B. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of positivity coming out of what's a pretty dark time and a lot of that has to do with the connecting that I've been doing with friends whether it's through FaceTime or phone calls so I'm always glad to hop on the phone and and see what's up 
Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's been uh, really heart-filling to reconnect with old friends and stay in touch with family and friends during the frightening time. And, you know, we worked together quite a bit in the past. And uh, I must say, uh, really just uh, inspired and admire the work that you've transitioned to do with uh, your company or organization, I should say, Backline. And before we get into, you know, the specifics of how you guys are rallying for the community in the current situation. For folks that don't know, uh, I would love for you to just break down the, the basics of what is Backline, how did it come to be, and, and what do you all do? Absolutely. So Backline was actually just launched in October of 2019, so about six months ago. And it really came to be after a series of tragic losses that we experienced in the music community through suicide and overdoses and other uh, mental health deaths. And essentially back after Neil Casal passed away at the end of the summer, some friends and I created a task force with over 50 music industry professionals to gather and ask the questions. What's going on? What exists? What doesn't exist? And how can we connect the dots? And we learned about a, several other organizations that exist to support the music industry community specifically, um, especially because it's identified as such an at-risk community. I mean, if you think about it, anyone that lives on the road is, you know, experiencing long-distance relationships or no relationships at all. It's difficult to establish healthy routines. They're spending the majority of their lives away from home. So there's no real structure to their lives and it's difficult to create healthy habits, which of course can lead to uh, lack of happiness. So we identified key organizations that are doing great work out there and created a website to kind of put them all under one platform. Uh, so it started as a directory. And as things evolved, we found a team of clinicians that resonated with our mission of connecting the music industry with mental health and wellness resources and created what we're calling the case management program. So anyone that's seeking help can go to our website and connect with one of our clinicians to talk on the phone for free uh, for up to an hour to see what they're experiencing in life, where they're located, if they have insurance, if they have other financial uh, instabilities, and we try to create a plan for them that suits them and their situation. So ultimately, our goal has always been to connect the music industry and their family because they're also affected with these mental health and wellness resources as a means to create a better work life because anyone that works in the music industry knows that that is your life. And there's no office hours and you're expected to work as long as there is work and there aren't really acceptable excuses. So it's a fun industry to work in. I've worked in it for over 10 years, but there are definitely some challenges. So it really starts with the self and taking care of yourself to create balance in order to really thrive. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking beautiful. Uh, and so necessary. It's really just wonderful to hear you spell it all out because obviously I've been following along since day one 
and I've had the pleasure of having uh, your partner in this mission, Hillary Gleason, on the show. And uh, it was before Backline, but just knowing, you know, about her work and like how you're approaching it and then hearing you lay it out like that, it's it's really like a revolutionary thing because the the sort of hamster wheel of of the music industry culture that go, 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 no excuses with all the added, uh, you know, self-destructive habits or uh, lack of resources for you to coalesce and step up into that space, you know, is, is just amazing work. So kudos uh, on behalf of everyone in the music industry. Thank you for taking the reins. Uh, I would be curious if you wouldn't mind just referencing a couple of the other organizations that you mentioned that, you know, you've sort of worked with or partnered with or even inspired your work. Sure. Uh, so Sweet Relief is a wonderful organization. Right now they have a fund going for people that are losing work right now uh, as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. And that's been, they've received thousands of applications so far and lots of people are, are sending donors their way to, to really help kind of fill this hole right now as people are experiencing cleared schedules. You know, it, we're just coming out of the off season, going into the festival season, and a lot of people are really worried about uh, not working for the next however long because their whole year led up to it. So Sweet Relief is a great one. Music Cares uh, is also a wonderful organization that the Grammys started. Um, they, they provide financial relief, kind of like a safety net for musicians who need it. Uh, if you're... If you need to go to rehab and you don't have the money, you can go through an application process and they'll help you get the help that you need in order to survive. Right on. Thank you for those. And, and yeah, I've been seeing a lot of the work that Sweet Relief has been doing as well. It's equally admirable. admirable and, uh, yeah, we appreciate all the, all the folks that are coming together in this capacity. And, you know, as you spelled out, and laid out the, the basics and the blueprint and the mission of backline. I couldn't help but think this virus and the obvious fallout and uncertain future is, is in essence a perfect storm for lack of a better euphemism for what you do, because just as soon as you got your cards, you know, you're lined up to do the work, you know, the, the tsunami arrived and uh, I, for, for everyone's sake, you know, you are already in existence. So you're not scrambling so much. You have things in place to work on. So if you wouldn't mind just letting the people that are listening know, like, how are you approaching and working with musicians and music industry people during the, specifically the COVID-19 situation? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, as soon as COVID-19 started to progress in the United States and large gatherings started to get canceled or postponed. That's really when the music industry started to collapse. Um, shows, festivals, tours all over the country were canceled or postponed within a matter of days. And that meant no money and people started to really freak out. So with no money, we felt, that it wasn't the right thing to do to promote our service of connecting people with therapists because people don't necessarily have the luxury of a budget for therapists right now. 
though some do, and that case management program is still open. But our main pivot was creating these online support groups, and those started uh, two weeks ago. And I don't even know what day it is right now, but <laughs> it was basically the week that shit started going down. And the support groups took place on Zoom, and they were led by our clinical director, Zach Borer, as well as our clinical advisor, Dr. Haim Newman. And he's also the co-founder of the TOR Research Health Initiative, um, who's currently conducting studies and research about what makes touring life specifically stressful, and then we'll work together to use that information to uh, make it better. So that's a power duo. And they started those support groups uh, just really as a one-time thing, but we've since continued. And they're built to address the stress and anxieties associated with COVID-19, our industry fallout, our financial instability, and just the confusion of being home for the first time in however long you've been working. I mean, a lot of these touring professionals have roommates and have dingy living situations because they're never home. They just need a place to keep their things. So now they're stuck and they have nowhere to go and it's illegal to go outside in some places. And it's a really perfect storm for, for, some crises and, um, you know, especially for people with addiction problems, there's just a lot of fear associated with what's going on. So uh, our first week of the support group saw over 300 participants from all over the world, which was really, really inspiring. Um, and it's not so much of a psychoanalytical therapy session as it is just a chance to share how you're affected, how, how you're pissed off that, you know, these things are happening that you have no control over. And um, it's a really safe space to exchange these stories and feel like you're not alone. And for whatever reason, after 90 minutes of a lot of tears, you feel really good and relieved and connected. Um, so those support groups are going to continue happening bi-weekly until we don't need them anymore. And we've already had uh, four so far, and there's a lot of familiar faces coming back each week, and it already is starting to feel like a family, uh, which is really wonderful. So since launching those support groups, uh, I've, I've <laughs> set my soul out to expand on this mission of providing these mental health and wellness resources to the people that need them wherever they are, which right now happens to be at home. So we've partnered with a couple of other organizations, Frequency Mind, Fit on Tour, and the Tour Research Health Initiative to bring yoga, meditation, and breath work for free on our platforms for people to tap into when they need it. Um, and I'm feeling really good about that, and that starts this week. Wow. That's incredible. And I got to say, I mean, meditation and yoga are part of my daily routine, even more so now that we're having all this time to ourselves. Um, so I can only imagine how much of a just a relief and uh, comfort, security that being available is. Uh, you've referenced the website uh, a couple times. So just for folks, uh, 
what is the best way to to really find this out right in front of you on your phone on your computer like a social media website how do they get you head to www.backline.care backline.care um i'm also really active on our instagram page which is at backline.care right on right on now i know you to be just a a very positive uh sort of life force as long as i've known you personally and professionally so i gotta know that it's not all gloom and doom with kendall even with what we're up against so if you wouldn't mind just taking off the backline hat per se and just speak to the community or (laughs) your friends or anyone who may need to hear or see a silver lining if you will yeah so we're in the weirdest times ever but it's a very rare opportunity to have all this free focusing on um, this is really a good opportunity to learn new stuff, to practice new methods of happiness, to learn how to breathe, meditate, and not think for a couple of minutes. And if you ever dreamt about going to France, learn fucking French, you know? Like, you have time to really sharpen the tools and put in the tool belt and, and level up so that when we return back to reality, we have all these new skills and tools to um, applicate to our normal lives because the reintegration period into the work life, especially in the music industry, is going to be fucking hard. It's not going to be easy to work 20-hour days after sleeping for three months or whatever the fuck. So don't sleep for, for three months. And create your own routine. Create your own structure. Hold yourself accountable to a couple of things. It takes three weeks to, to learn a new habit. So we have that time. Now's the time to learn that stuff. I feel like especially for the music industry and especially for touring professionals, if you were to ask them to sit down in a normal day and not think or meditate for 10 minutes, they'd laugh in your face because they just don't have the capacity to do that. But if they were to start learning how to do that right now, and create space for that in their life so that it's part of their daily routine and then apply it when they're back on the road. Holy shit, man. Like it's, it's just part of the revolution that will make the music industry prioritize mental health and wellness. And that's fucking important. Aho and amen. That is just really, really righteous wisdom salient and appropriate and inspiring i gotta say i've already begun to internalize a lot of that so uh i really can connect with what you're putting down and i agree because you know i'm not a touring musician but my life tends to be go 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 like so many folks and creating that space and that practice and that that peace will be so crucial as we uh step back in to the world, a new world, it might as well be our better or even best selves. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to surprise you with one before we get off the phone. Uh, since I know you from the music thing and, and we share a lot of the, you know, the same experiences out there. Is there any one artist or song or show or anything that's getting you through? Hmm. 
Sorry, I had to. I know, I know. It's interesting. I I lost you. Out three weeks or so. I, 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 that's crazy that that just happened. Like your entire answer didn't come through. I, all I heard at the end was Tame Impala. Tame Impala. So that's good enough. That's like, uh, you know, the universe kind of nudging me for trying to pull one on you. But at least we got, you know, I don't know how you got there, but the people will know Tame Impala. So right on. Good shit. (laughs) All right, Miss Kendall Corso. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, your spirit, and the work that you do. And, And of course, getting on the phone with me on the Up Full Life podcast. And we'll do it again down the road. Can't wait. Thanks so much, B. All right. Stay healthy. I know you're staying home. <laughs> you too. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. want to say thank you to Kendall Corso of Backline. Please donate to Backline. Uh, They can really use any and all support. Uh, You can find how to do that at their website, backline.care. Kendall, just so awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. We'll have to do it again down the road. And we really appreciate all the hard work uh, with Backline at these difficult times. Now we're going to move over and transition to my man CP Chris Perella, the owner and talent buyer of the Ardmore Music Hall just outside of Philadelphia. Chris was episode two special guest and that was a wonderful walk down memory lane and talk about his career journey and and a lot has happened in the interim a year and a half since we talked to Chris, but we don't get into that. We get into the real. We get into what's going on with the virus and its effects on his business, on the Philly music culture at large. Um, we talk a little bit about his personal situation and how he's dealing. And then, of course, um, I wanted to give Chris the opportunity to wax philosophic a little bit about what a new reality could be for uh, the music industry and uh, specifically independent concert promoters and smaller venues. So that's really interesting stuff and is a bit uh, forward thinking and progressive and you know I'd follow Chris uh, just about anywhere as I tell him in the interview. So have a listen to a uh, about a 33 minute ish I think maybe a little longer than that uh, we we're trying to do like 15 20 and we hadn't talked in a while we even talked on the phone for like 20 ish minutes before we started recording but I love this dude it was an absolute joy to work for him and uh, back in the Blockley days in Philly uh, around 2012 2013 and, and he gave me a few opportunities that I really ran with 
that uh, blossomed into fantastic professional and personal relationships. So, large up yourself, CP. This is Chris Perella uh, in Ardmore, PA, on the Upful Life Podcast, episode 29, Isolation Station. Chris. Hey, hey. B. Gets here. How you doing, my friend? <clears throat> How are you, buddy? I'm doing, you know, the best I can. Trying to keep a positive attitude and, and keep my energy focused on, on you know, everybody's health and awareness and such. But uh, thanks for taking the time to come on the Upful Life podcast again. Loved your uh, episode number two that we recently relived. It's a popular one. Uh, nice, nice to relive. Although, as I said, I, I got to get back on and, and dig deeper on some of the more, uh, ridiculous stories that we've, that we've shared in our experiences, but, um, Agreed. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to, to have some trips down memory lane with that. Yeah. And to be honest, that was episode two. I was just kind of getting my wings. So, you know, I was on that, uh, I want to be deep and philosophical as, and, and now I think I found a happy medium and, Actually, you know, obviously this conversation will be a little different, but hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And once, you know, the music business and, and culture is back in full swing, we'll do round two with all the ridiculousness. Would love it. Would love it. So I'm talking to you from a very rural area in Northern California, up near uh, Grass Valley, Nevada City. And you're, as I understand, recently just moved out of Philadelphia to uh, the burbs near where your venue is. Am I right? I am in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. And you're the owner and talent buyer of the Ardmore Music Hall. Which... I am. That's the, uh, that's the home base. We've, we've started to kind of develop our, our own uh, team of accounts and projects around these parts, but uh, Ardmore Music Hall is definitely the mothership. Indeed, and I know it's a much beloved and celebrated venue. I've had the pleasure for working, uh, working for you in the past, and uh, so I know how you do things. And it's a, you know, second to none operation and you're definitely a people person. So let's get right to it, man. What's going on with the venue and your staff and, and just kind of walk us through how you had to, to shut things down and then we'll get into what is happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, um, you know, we're trying to take it day by day because for a minute there, every day was a completely new set of uh, information, uh, freak outs, you know, uncertainty, um, re-scrambling and, you know, that's still going on, but I think things have leveled out a little bit as far as people understanding that, okay, we're, we're in this for a, the long haul, uh, both in terms of what we're confronting with COVID and also, um, you know, wanting to be here and in the best shape possible whenever we emerge and not knowing when that is, we're trying to just pace ourselves a little bit, you know, I mean, the first, first week and a half after this all exploded was a roller coaster by the hour, um, you know, new developments, new stupid things that you're hearing from our, our uh, idiot in chief, um, you know, just really intense news reports about what's going on in other parts of the world. And, um, and then, you know, suddenly, as, as you know, uh, you know, you're a sports guy, among other things, when you start seeing the NBA cancel and 
and uh, you know, major leagues paused the season. Uh, March Madness. Yeah, it's, it's insane, and um, and it it feels good for everybody's sanity that we've. I think we've all reached a, a place of relative acceptance and are now, you know, digging in to just figure out how to handle the short term and set ourselves up in the long term. Um, Indeed. What are some of the realities as like as the owner and talent buyer both in terms of what you had to navigate with artist cancellations, tour cancellations, events shutting down, and also on on the staff side? Like just give the folks an understanding of like, you know, how how you navigated those. Because they couldn't be easy on either side of the coin. Yeah, so I would um I would say I was amazed and pleasantly surprised at the um i don't even want to say camaraderie because it wasn't it wasn't warm it was panicked and yet um it was organized the way that the booking industry just sort of realized what was in front of us hunkered down and cooperatively figured out a, a rescheduling of fundamentally the entire year in a really short amount of time and you know i can't speak for the arena size and some of the some of the big tours that i'm sure are just unthinkably difficult to to reconfigure but you know for us we um at this point we've moved everything into at least mid to late may and it, you know for two months worth of shows there hasn't been a single contractual uh disagreement there hasn't been a single shouting match you know i think everybody understands that this is a, a real shit sandwich for all of us and uh, and that absolutely nobody is in good position here and and our industry is only going to work if we all can survive this so i've been just um you know, again, pleasantly surprised that everybody is kind of hunkered down and focused and just figured it out. And so we, we entered this flurry of activity right after this all went down where suddenly uh, March and, and getting into mid-April needed to be flipped on a dime to new dates, um, you know, cramming essentially uh, the entire year of touring into one season, you know, late summer and fall. Um and uh, it was it was and is really intense, you know, and, and we're we're doing that for Ardmore Music Hall. But we booked Milk Boy downtown. We booked 118 North and Wayne out, out in the Burbs. Um, we're involved with Underground Arts and, and other accounts. Um, I'm involved with Everyone Orchestra, as you know, which is a whole other layer of crazy because Everyone Orchestra puts together players that are committed to other core projects generally and we kind of slot in between and put together interesting collaborations and suddenly when those collaborations have to move shows not so simple because you're waiting to hear you know when's mo rescheduling when's pigeons playing ping pong rescheduling when's string cheese incident rescheduling so you know just the sum of all those parts um for me as a booking guy uh both on the venue and artist side has been um complete and utter chaos and i think that uh everybody's handled it admirably um, because what choice did we have? You know, everybody needed to just um, punt and yet do it in a way that set up a, a follow-up plan, uh, you know, a plan, an immediate plan B because we're all going to need gigs as soon as we can get them. Yeah. Yeah. What, wow. Just, you can't, really, there's no preparatory course for an onslaught, a tsunami of, of panic and cancellations of that nature. So, I can't yeah. imagine it was something that you there's a playbook for or you're really flying by the seat of your pants. So it, it is reassuring to hear that everybody seemed to work in concert and, and like congruent with one another to make whatever changes could, you know, because that could have been, you know, even more of a clusterfuck should have 
people gotten territorial and stuff. So that, that it's a heartwarming to hear that, you know, in these times, people really working with each other in the business. That's, how, that's been one of the most positive takeaways for sure. And how about with your staff? Uh, yeah, the, you know, the team side has been equally intense because my role more and more has become, um, I don't, uh, puppeteer is not the word I'm looking for, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wearing a lot of hats and, and helping oversee a staff of, at this point, just for the musical, uh, our, our partners, Ripplewood next door, um, and 118 North out in Wayne, you know, we've sort of developed this venue restaurant group that has, uh, you know, 90, a hundred employees and, um, music call is my biggest focus, but it, you know, what we're talking about there spills into these other businesses. And at the end of the day, we've taken on a, you know, a much bigger level of responsibility than when you and I were working together at the Blockly. You know, we've, we've built out this really well-oiled machine with a lot of really amazing and professional people who now rely on us for their livelihood and, and vice versa. And um, I've felt that responsibility very uh, heavily and strongly from the minute that this all started going down and just felt like, you know, if I was working for Live Nation or CID or whatever, you know, if, if this was a corporate environment, there would be um, formal and detailed and uh, logistical communication about, you know, what to expect, what's happening on the HR side, on the payroll side, on the, um, you know, policy side. And, and so it's something that me and my partners dove into immediately because, um, you know, you and I have talked a lot about how I, I really feel like I'm only as good as my team. And I, I've never wanted to be a guy that everything hinges on, you know, I want, Jesse and Julian on the production side and Sarah and Kate and Mike and my, my operations people and, you know, Graham and Dan and uh, everybody who is involved in booking, marketing, et cetera. You know, these people are all essential to me being able to keep my head on straight with all the different stuff that we juggle. And so, um, uh, you know, that was, that was a priority immediately. And we, we dug in, we figured out a short term plan to support everybody. And now we're, every single day navigating, you know, the developments from the stimulus bill and um, some SBA, you know, small business support options and um, trying to advise people on best practice for unemployment for our hourly staff and our service staff. And I think just having that communication and showing that we genuinely want to make sure everybody's got some, you know, some real support and some meaningful uh, protection during this time. Um, has been great for morale. You know, everybody feels like, okay, we don't know what the hell is going to happen, but at least we're all talking about it. We're all thinking about each other. We're all, um, you know, prepared to figure it out together. And, uh, and that has kept everybody engaged. It's kept everybody calm for the most part. Um, so it's, you know, it's scary. It's crazy, but we're, uh, we're positioned to, you know, keep everybody afloat and, um, and we're going to do that one way or another. Right on. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to say, I know what it feels like to work for you. Work with you is actually how you make it feel. And, you know, it's awesome to hear just how the, the, the collaborative efforts of your team and sort of, you know, not everybody would be willing to just hunker down and, and ride it out with the uncertain future what it is. But you earn that kind of loyalty and it's because of how you, you carry it and, and what you do for your people and I think it's a testament to, like, you know, Ardmore Music Hall, what you've built there, that, you know, you guys are able to confront it like this. 
uh, unified and, you know, with, with a really good energy. So I'm happy to hear that. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to let folks know, since you kind of laid out what you're up against, how can fans, not just in your metropolitan area, but people who listen to this podcast or want to support independent uh, concert promoters and venues like yourself, what are some of the ways you guys are either raising money or supporting artists, et cetera? Well, the first thing we did was set up a GoFundMe for the staff because um, we just, you know, there's only so long that we can pay a team of people who are largely paid with event-driven and tip-driven income, and suddenly all of that has dried up. So the GoFundMe was meant as a safety net. Um, you know, we, we decided to pay out our team for at least the remainder of March once we shut down on the 12th. Uh, we wanted people to just know immediately that while this all hits the fan, the next couple of weeks are figured out for all of them. Um, you know, beyond that, you can't sustain for very long with 50, 60, 80, 100 employees. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're figuring that out, like I said, day by day. But um, I think ultimately... We want to produce some creative ideas during this time that allow people to support us in a way that doesn't feel like we're begging because we're fortunate on a lot of levels. Um, you know, we're, we're, like I said, we're prepared for the long haul. Um, we're looking deeply into small, small business loans, um, you know, business interruption insurance, you know, trying to find ways that we can not only keep the business uh, in a healthy enough place that we're, you know, not completely limping by the time we reopen, but also keep our whole team in a good place. Um, and in the meantime, it's difficult to move a whole lot ahead when we're, we've got this stay-at-home level uh, you know, right. around us. Who knows when a 600-cap venue is going to be open, but I have to think that a stay-at-home is going to be somewhat temporary. And so when we get to that point, can we have 15 people in the building to get – uh, you know, Steve Kimock and Mark Brownstein and uh, Magner and, and Tommy Hamilton and, and Eli Winderman and a lot of our friends and musicians in the area, you know, could they come in and do a live stream audience free uh, with the Nugs setup that we have in house? A hundred percent. And to be able to do that pay-per-view and, and raise some legitimate money for those artists would mean a lot to us. And it would also, you know, continue to kind of uh, pad our ability to keep our staff in a good place. Uh, but we can't do it right now because I think I can certainly speak for myself that uh, I'm, I'm seeing my wife and my kid and that's it. Uh, and I think the most people are in that boat right now. So, um, you know, we've got some ideas We're we've got a ton of archives and amazing audio recordings that we're sifting through um, and we want to sell them um, to targeted, you know, people who attended that show try to raise some money for both our team and for the artists. Um, we are, you know, again, we have the GoFundMe for people who have, by the way, been insanely generous and, and it's appreciated on a level that I'll never quite be able to express, um, you know, just to, to, to help our staff and anybody who, you know, while they're waiting for unemployment suddenly finds themselves struggling to pay a bill. Um, and then, you know, I think there's just understanding that there will be a need to support what we're all doing and what the, uh, the musicians that frequent our places are doing as soon as we can do it, because, you know, there's restrictions right now that just can't be overcome. But when we have a show, whether it's June or August or whenever it is, um, we need the show to be well attended and um, we're going to need people to, you know, to support the arts. And I think that's across the board. So 
my hope is that we can find a tactful way to, you know, keep our future schedule on people's radars and, and hit the ground running as soon as we can safely do so. Right on. Yeah, that sounds like exciting stuff. There's a great network of local musicians that, you know, are family to your venue. And I'm sure that once the parameters or goalposts are moved to where you could pull something like that off, you know, it's going to be absolutely amazing. And of course, you know, it's bigger than just Philly area and Ardmore. When that happens, uh, be sure to let us know at Up For Life and Live For Live Music so we can, you know, paint the town and let people know how they can support these artists in your venue and just, like I said, independent, uh, you know, music in general. Now, I, I appreciate that. And, and nothing would give me more pleasure, by the way, as you, you know, the 23 East history well enough to know that if we could have splintered sunlight drive in and do a weekly show, even if it's audience free, um, you know, bring it on. We'd, we'd love to we'd love to create that content. We'd love to use the space for something meaningful. Uh, we'd love to support those guys. Um, you know, there's going to be some some cool stuff we can do when we can safely have 15 people in a building together. And I just I just hope, like all of us, that that's sooner than later. Yeah, man. We talked a lot about, uh, you know, business and the industry and stuff. But just on a personal level, you mentioned you're seeing a lot of your wife and kid and you just moved to a lovely uh, house in Ardmore. What are you doing? How are you getting through? Like when you're not at your desk, when you're not on the horn, well, you know, what is bringing you little uh, slivers of joy amidst the panic and chaos? Yeah. Uh, well, to quote, I guess, John Prine, which feels uh, uh, apropos, uh, pr- uh, we're pretty good, not bad, can't complain. <laughs> um, right on. And, uh, yeah, and, I, and, man, John Prine, um, first of all, I want to preface by saying it sounds like he is in stable condition, which is... Um, really spectacular news. And Indeed. Uh, yesterday we got the news that he was ill and um, he's become a, a favorite of mine, but it is a longtime favorite of Anna's entire family. And um, just for various personal reasons, that that was really a, a heavy gut punch. And um, and I, I just, uh, you know, it, it made me, first of all, reflect on the fact that we've got it pretty good and, and that this was the first, you know, work chaos aside, we're in this happy, cozy new home with a one-year-old and we're FaceTiming our family and friends and we've got the technology of 2020 and things are okay for us. And um, to hear that someone that, that means that much to us, uh, you know, musically and personally was, uh, you know, was struggling, was, was, a, was a, a hard hit. And um, I went outside, you know, classic new house in the suburbs. I was moving yard waste to the curb <laughs> for pickup. Um, and, and our neighbors who are awesome and, uh, we share a driveway and we've heard them playing fish and Wilco and Dylan and like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> they got it. Um, I, I was walking outside and they were playing John Prine on the speakers on their porch. And, um, I saw them through the window and I just mouthed John Prine and one of them came out and we, we just sort of looked at each other and acknowledged that we knew that he was sick and both teared up and, and just couldn't really say much. And she basically said, I'm sorry that I can't hug you. And we just cried together, and then I kept dragging yard waste out, and they kept playing John Prine songs, and it just, it, it was just a really emotional wow. sort of, uh, refocusing of the fact that this is, you know, this is beyond moving shows and helping employees figure out their next paycheck. It's also life and death for some people, and, and I think that, you know, given the circumstances, we're, we're doing great, you know? I mean, uh, I, uh, I have nothing to complain about. We're a mile from the music hall. Uh, I don't know if you saw my video, but we walked up there on 
St. Patty's Day and took some car bombs and made a funny video reel and got got a little drunk and um, you know we're taking two three mile walks every day that it's nice out and um, it's fucking springtime we're you know we're planting flowers we're raking the lawn it's like just just being able to be outside and and see the you know the weather break and um, be able to read and revisit some old photos and spend time with our one-year-old um you know we're we're finding a lot of joy in the simple stuff that you get yeah it's constantly on my to-do list but i, I have a hard yeah. time finding the time for it suddenly we've got some time for it and it, and it feels good frankly yeah um, i hope that everybody can find some of that whether it's interpersonal or you know even for people who are alone tapping into hobbies and tapping into art and you know music and um just finding some finding some positives in the slow time indeed man that's what great you to doing, hear by the way um well we uh i just want to say that was amazing to hear you talk about the the moment with your neighbor and john Prynett. He just mm -hmm. painted the picture and i think there's so much symbolism there in the just the the uh, unspoken emotion between you and your new neighbor and your shared love of music and this man and understanding the severity of what's happening and all of it. And so thank you for sharing that. And I think that, uh, yeah, indeed, we're all very lucky. Like, like you, I'm in a, a place that, uh, I must say is pretty glorious out here in Northern California on a big piece of land, lots of nature walks, gardens. I'm here with my fiance who sadly her story with her, uh, employment of five years a wonderful restaurant called state bird provisions uh came to an end last week at least temporarily maybe permanently who knows and you know she's been having a rough time with that and and it, similarly her restaurant which is incredible uh people and food and all that have also similarly coalesced uh to support one another and even though they lost their jobs they're they're still really making sure they're getting sorted out so yeah we're we are blessed and uh I got up here to Northern California, just outside of of Nevada City, not far from Tahoe, I guess, if you're thinking from on a national sense. Yep. And I lived here for a time. I'm thinking on the fifth tour level, we're not far from Tahoe. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Yeah. And uh, I lived here for a time. I still have some great relationships, and I work up here from time to time. So I've been lucky. I've been up here for almost three weeks, and I went and got Alicia about two weeks ago, 15 days ago, and... You know, we've got a shift pod on the side of a mountain and we're, you know, and we're spending our time outside and, and doing some inner work and I'm um, eating great and I'm a, m a small group of people on a huge piece of land, like five people. We don't really come too close to one another, but we talk and we hang out and we check in with each other and we help out and do work on the land. And yeah, life slows down an epic pause and a great equalizer. And, you know, yeah. I'm trying to do my part, uh, not just with this podcast, but some charity stuff that I'm lending my talents to uh, that I could tell you a little bit more about off air until we formally announce. But yeah, I'm trying to see how I can play a role in supporting, you know, my community on a local level, on a music level, on a conscious and spiritual level. And, and that's why I called you, man. And, uh, you know, you, you're, you're really like a force of nature, not just as a boss, but as a dude and a human being. And I know um, to, to finish up here, and we're talking some silver linings. Uh, you know, I know that you see uh, the uh, future that could even be stronger for uh, independent music industry and people like yourself and sort of concert promoters and the little guy 
maybe a bit of a leveling of the playing field and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more unity moving forward for, you know, the, the small and middle business in the music industry, if you wouldn't mind just kind of taking that. No doubt. And thank you. Um, I, I think, first of all, there's going to be a real need uh, for independents to collaborate more. Um, and I think that, frankly, includes developing artists and not just independent venues and promoters. Um, you know, just better communication, better comparing of notes, being more organized, um, you know, make it an easier decision for artists to be able to play these, uh, you know, strings of shows with independents in, in the same way that uh, the, the Giants route tours, you know, the Live Nations and AEGs. Um, I think that's important, and I think now is a decent time to finally figure out how that can work better when normally we're all bogged down with just what's right in front of us. Um, I also think that on an on an organizational level or just an individual level, now is the time to you know, try to find some focused energy to work through backburner projects, you know, simple stuff, project management and, and organization, you know, research, databases, you know, just – getting your shit together in a way that again you know when do you have the time or luxury to pull back from your day-to-day uh insanity to uh to drill down on some of that stuff and and that's something that i've got a lot of my team focused on is just you know organizing data and um you know getting ahead of um you know winter booking for next year uh, god willing and um you know had a fun conversation with my team today about reevaluating our entire artist hospitality program for the music hall and um, you know, developing ideas for how we can tap the Ripplewood, our partners next door, um, and Tired Hands, you know, brewery across the street and La Colombe Coffee and like, go from a, a place that, um, you know, satisfies the hospitality budget to a place that wows people. And, you know, if, if you are someone who feels confident that you're going to continue to do something close to what you were doing before when this all shakes out, take the opportunity to get ahead and, and it may feel crazy to be thinking about how we can spend more money to be more hospitable when we're struggling to, you know, figure out what tomorrow looks like. But, um, I have to assume optimistically and otherwise that we've got a bright future ahead. And whenever it comes around, I want to be as well prepared for it as I possibly can be. Uh, I don't see what choice I have. So, you know, there's that. Um, and then I think there's going to need to be, a loosening of you know in the in the booking industry there's become this dominance by live nation especially but aeg is a part of it um you know that there's a sort of bought and sold loyalty that they hold over artists heads as they're developing where you know you know somebody gets to a a decent position in a market and all of a sudden live nation jumps in and they offer them you know a great festival look and a great opening slot and then Next thing you know, there's a, you know, there's a level of guilt or, or strong arming to stay away from my club or another independent club because while we gave you this opportunity, now we expect you to play our room. Um, I think that this is going to require that everybody understand people are going to need gigs. And again, I can't speak for the arena level, but I know that 600 cap, 1,000 cap, 200 cap, um, people are going to have to play. And there's going to need to be a, a sort of recognition that every artist that makes it to the Wells Fargo Center in Philly and makes Live Nation a couple million dollars that night started in an Ardmore Music Hall or in a Milk Boy. And those venues have to work for Live Nation to tap into the talent as it grows. And I just think that 
um, you know, that sort of existential threat that they try to pretend they feel when, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was building a Ardmore Music Fest for October. Um, I can't imagine I'm going to do it. I, I don't know for sure, but, you know, with Jazz Fest and Bonnaroo and Coachella and, and countless tours, everybody moving to September, October, November, you know, how do I relaunch an outdoor concept with risk associated right now? It, it probably doesn't make sense. But when I was going down that road, I can't tell you how many artists in, you know, in my wheelhouse that I talked to who, who basically said that even if that play made sense for them, they would never get away with it because the Philly Live Nation office would never allow it. They would, they would banish them from being able to play the Peach or from being able to play Camp Disco or the next time there's an opening slot at the Fillmore, you know, there's this sort of bought loyalty pettiness that comes with Live Nation especially. And I think that the artists are going to need to help me and other small venues call them on their shit and make sure that everybody involved is advocating for local promoters and local artists getting the best opportunities they can because that's ultimately going to grow them into the 2500 plus level which is where live nation thrives anyway so i think there's going to need to be uh, a new set of expectations there where people realize that hey you know what you're not getting any love at the foundry or the tla or creative marketing you you know nobody's being educated about you as a band you're being bought by a big company that wants to secure your loyalty when you grow and i think that that you know I, i'm not asking for softballs i'm not expecting that there's no competition at my level but for those bigger promoters who are focused on those bigger levels to dissuade artists from taking smaller opportunities just because they don't want the relationship encroached upon that's going to have to change. And I think that it will. Uh, my hope is that it will. Um, and then, you know, myself and other promoters like me are going to have to get creative with how to continue building new collaborations, new event concepts, new ways, you know, like everyone orchestra to bring together these incredible talents that we all, you know, are, are, are blessed to uh, connect with and find new platforms for them to play their music because they're going to need the gigs. And so am I. Bro. I would follow you to the gates of hell. <laughs> Straight up, man. So well articulated, and uh, I couldn't co-sign it any more or any harder. You know, it's a bit over my head, the, the level of, of the way you understand the, the dynamics of the relationship and the leverage and stuff. But I will say this much. Um, obviously, they, those companies had a couple really bad days when everything went down. And, and with their losses and when they're doing their own circling the wagons, because you don't lose, you know, whatever billions of dollars and not have to kind of circle the wagons and shuffle the deck. Maybe they will read those same tea leaves and say, you know what, our bread and butter is 2,500 plus and we're not going to meddle in those other rooms and, and let that sort of uh, heal itself. And we'll focus on, you know, where our real cash comes from. You got to hope that they well, don't. Look. As I said, there was a there was a level of um, I guess selflessness, for lack of a better word, when when this all started developing, at least for me uh, on the six hundred cap level, and everybody just recognized that we all needed to dig in and do what we all needed to do to salvage the best next plan, the best next step. Um, I, I can't again speak for the live nations and the arenas of the world, but my my guess is that 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 level of cooperation, um, you know, it, it's not something that 
is their MO. And, and that selflessness, I think, is what I hope will come of all of this, is everybody looking at it and taking a real, a real look at what do these artists need to sustain themselves to a point where they can grow into these, um, you know, 2,500 to 10,000 plus capacity draw um, and what do these small promoters need to be able to foster that in a way that creates community and, you know, de develops educational opportunities for people to get turned on to new talent? Um, I think that if that selflessness pervades through Live Nation and AEG and the bigger agencies and bigger managers out there, then, it, you know, it could ultimately be a better landscape. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while to heal for sure. Yeah. Well, from your lips to jaw ears... And, and let that be the case, not just for uh, the music industry and independent promoters and such, but for, all, for as a macro level, uh, industry in general, and the, the little guy and family-owned businesses and regionals and such. So really, really astute wisdom as usual, CP. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the... Uh opportunity to talk about it you know, um, so i'm still consumed day to day and uh, it's nice to pull back and actually think about all the things i'm thinking about so thank you yeah man it's it's an honor and a pleasure and we'll continue to check in with you maybe in a month or two down the road we'll see what shakes out maybe it'll be part two our long form thing although that's got to be an in-person hang well uh, i was i was about to say at the 32 minute mark it's hard to say that this is no longer that but you know yeah well <laughs> the last one the last one was like a hundred minutes so we gotta <laughs> wait to go but i've been asking all my I'm, I'm gonna do like three of these interviews uh per episode maybe one per week while we get through this or at least for the as long as i can so i'm trying to have one sort of uniform question that's maybe not so like uh doomsday or you know reactionary but indeed the 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 thread that weaves us all together and anyone that really comes on my show is music in some capacity so i gotta ask you know is there an artist or a song or a show or an album that's getting you through uh at this time mm, great question um uh, it's it's funny. I, I, the easy answer is no, because almost everything I'm listening to is whatever my hand or my kid's hand lands on in my record collection in my new living room. And uh, that's been nice. You know, it's been all over the place. It's been yeah, I have a lot of classic rock, like most people with, with a vinyl collection. Uh, so there's been a lot of Beatles and Zeppelin and Cat Stevens and Paul Simon and um, you know, certainly the Paul Simons, the John Prines of the world, you know, the, so many of those lyrics apply to fundamentally society changing events, whether it's Vietnam or, you know, various 60s, 70s movements. Uh, so there's parallels, at least thematically. And, um, and I think a lot of that stuff is hitting home again, John Prine, especially, um, and then, you know, there's the occasional uh, need to throw on a – I walked by a sign today about a lawn boy at a, at a home improvement store and thought, you know, I should revisit that 45-minute lawn boy from two years ago because when do I have 45 minutes to sit and listen to that? Uh, and I've been doing as much of that as I can, you know, good dead jams, good fish jams, stuff that feels uh, hopeful and inspired and um, happy and – um, you know, I, I'm praying to God that I get to uh, go to some fish shows this summer with uh, the squad and, and uh, maybe even you out in Tahoe if things break the right way. So, 
We can only hope, man. You know, yeah. There's some of that for sure. I, I'm I'm definitely clinging to some of the stuff that we thrive on because it's it's got a a feel good theme, a feel good sound, um, and a and a you know community around it that I look forward to reconnecting to as soon as humanly possible. Indeed, so well stated, my friend. Right on. So, how can people find the Ardmore Music Hall fundraiser, the GoFundMe? We've been pretty understated about it. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm sure if you search GoFundMe or more musical, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, it'll pop up, but, uh, we've had it in our last couple email blasts, or if you go to our Facebook page, there's a link for it. And, um, and, you know, I think more than anything, keep an eye out because we're definitely going to jump into the live stream game when we can. We're definitely going to release some really killer audio recordings that Jesse and Julian and our sound engineers have done over the years. Uh, you know, this is a fun opportunity to revisit our archives, audio, video, and photo. Um, you know, we're going to find ways that uh, are supportive of ourselves, but it, with any luck, some of the stimulus bill is going to support our team and we'll be able to use our platform as a way to support musicians first and foremost. And uh, nothing would, would give me more joy than that. So I hope that that's the way it goes where, you know, we're not sweating what to do for our people and we can turn our attention to some other people who really need it. Um, so I think just, you know, stay tuned in, check in every week for what we've got going on and, and how you can get involved. Right on, right on. And I, know, I have no doubt that there'll be some listeners out there, your peers or folks in the music world that'll be inspired what you had to say. And, you know, you may hear from some like-minded individuals who, who want to build moving forward. So I want to say thank you. Give my love to your lovely wife and young daughter. And, uh, We'll check in down the road to see how things are holding up in Ardmore and Philly. Thanks, my man. It is truly a pleasure, and uh, I'm so happy that you're in a good place out there, and I uh, can't wait to give you a big hug sometime soon. Yeah, hope soon come, like the Rastas say. Turn your lights down low And you pull the window curtain Let the moon come shining in Into our life again Saying, ooh, it's been a long, long time Still I kept this message for you, girl But it seems I was And we're back. Want to say thank you to my man CP Chris Perella. What a what a conversation! So articulate and uh, heartfelt and inspiring to hear from him. He's just a born leader, that dude. And you know, I just really admire and respect and love him. You know, he's just a great dude. So check out CP Chris Perella if you're ever uh, <clears throat> interested in. Uh, seeing what's going on with the Ardmore Music Hall. And, you know, if you're so inclined, you know, uh, support their staff, check their GoFundMe, and look out for those really exciting uh, live stream situations that he is dreaming up. Philly, stand up. Love it when my, my hometowners are doing the damn thing. But my home away from home uh, is always the great city of New Orleans, Crescent City. So dear to my heart, uh, you know, this would have been my 18th Jazz Fest, 
but it's been postponed and hopefully you know we'll return in 2020 but if we don't uh so it goes uh but i wanted to check in with some of my favorite peeps down there in my beloved crescent city and I started with another cat who had been on the podcast in the past, my man Billy Ayuso, great singer-songwriter, rock and roll troubadour, uh, transplant from the New York area, has been in New Orleans for like 20 plus years. It's like Meters fam uh, that I have a great bit of uh, affection for musically and just, again, a solid dude. So we're going to check in with Billy down there in New Orleans and hear how he's getting by and give us the sort of lowdown on on what it's like in that uh, epicenter of of the virus at this time. So I want to send a lot of love and, and vibes out to all peeps down there in NOLA. And uh, we'll hear from Billy Ayuso and then wrap things up for episode 29, Isolation Station, on the Up Full Life podcast. This is Billy himself doing Turn Your Lights Down Low, actually, off his, uh, I believe it's on his Naked album. Hello. Hey, Billy, it's B. Getz. How you doing? What's happening? How you doing? Uh, you know, like we said, crazy times, uh, unprecedented. So uh, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to, to talk to me and to talk to the fans. And I know people out there are real concerned with the entire music industry and especially New Orleans. So I just sure. wanted to touch base with you, man. Uh, first things first, like outside of the music, how are, how's Billy Ayuso doing and the family and uh, everything? You know, we're doing okay. Um I'm kind of a hermit by nature, so um, I've been probably, I haven't seen anybody but my four, you know, people I live, you know, the three people I live with, and my older son, too, who lives outside of the house, but um, I saw him once since then, but I've been, you know, since probably, I mean, first, maybe March 11th, I played a gig on the 6th, and then I remember seeing, hanging out with somebody that following beginning of the week, and then Pretty much after that, I've been just at home. So, um, and my family's pretty limited. I pulled my kids out of school kind of two days before they did it, um, made it mandatory. So, um, so we're all pretty good. Nobody's got any kind of symptoms or anything. So, well, that's that's good to hear. And uh, sounds like you were a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of you know knowing what what you had to do and, and sort of like shutting it down. But well, if you, if you know me and you do a little, um, I'm more of a worldly thinker than just in here in America. I, I um, keep my eyes wide open on the world. Um, so I, I kind of started getting scared or I wouldn't say scared, but just, um, you know, prepared and th- thinking about it a little bit ahead of some of the, uh, authorities. So, Yeah. You know, but um, I'm I'm kind of like that anyway. I'm protective, kind of, you know, pack gotcha. leader. <laughs> right on, man. And uh, how how are your kids? You know, just their their how are they like holding up in terms? I guess it's got to be uh, frightening on a whole nother level when you're in your teens. 
yeah, they're they're handling it really cool. I have an interesting situation because my daughter is a senior, so like you know, senior year is a big deal. And yeah. It's, you know, the prom, the the pageantry, you know, like all that stuff, and it, none of that's happening. And then the unknownness of which college she should go off to, or if she'll even start at time or whatever. So, but surprisingly, they're doing great. I mean, they're still taking classes online. Um, she is a dancer, my daughter, so she goes and dances at my in-laws' house where nobody's staying right now. Um, they have two houses, and so she goes down there and dance class because they had a nice big open room in my house. That's a great outlet for her to be able to have that. Uh, you know, we had to buy him a computer. I mean, I had to go chip into what money I had already and buy him a computer. Um, so, you know, unforeseen expenses, early birthday present, whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, just trying to adapt. I mean, and I think that's a key word is adapt, you know, um, survival is key. Uh, and I believe that that's not a problem. Um, but, uh, adapting is always difficult. Sure. Especially when people are really set in their ways and, sure, and, this, I'm and 51 years old, I'm pretty set. <laughs> right. Right. On a local level, you know, obviously there's been a lot reported about how, how things have really taken a turn for the worse in new Orleans. Uh, do you remember, was there like a tipping point when you guys had like that holy shit moment? I mean, I think the city itself has just gotten there um, maybe two weeks ago, really, you know, like, um, really like, wow, and this is happening. But, you know, at, like everywhere, there's still people kind of doing their thing. And I mean, but, uh, you know, it's pretty much a ghost town right now. I don't see any traffic. And, I, you know, I live in the city. Um, there's no sirens. There's no normal sounds of what normally goes on. It's pretty quiet. People are pretty much staying in now. Um, you know, a lot of people publicize certain things that have happened, and you know, there, you know, there was somebody selling crawfish somewhere that they, somebody said there was a big crowd, and you know, but that gets sensationalized on Facebook, and people pass it around. I mean, it's happening everywhere, but I think in general, the most People who are thinkers and and responsible, you know, we have all kinds in every community. So, you know, we're hanging in there. I think Mardi Gras was the big key of why we have so much. You know, I mean, it was perfect timing for a million people to be in your city. So we were bound to get hit. Yeah. I mean, it really was a perfect storm. If, you sure. Know. I mean, that's the science of it. I mean, you know, Mardi Gras with all the numbers, that's why we are feeling it the way we are. So, um, personally, I don't really know anybody. I have some friends of friends, um, but I don't really know anybody. Um, so that's good news. Right. Well, Phil, Phil Frazier from Rebirth. I mean, maybe you don't sure, know him personally. Sure, you're right. I forgot. Yeah, that's bad. I forgot that. But yeah. Um, so, but I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to say how I know what he's doing because I even just forgot him. You know, right. A lot, to, a lot to keep in your head. So. Yeah, you got to look out for yourself and and your family and. and yeah, just, trying and, to do that is is obviously you know the priority, but um, you know I, I've definitely been reaching out to people I know who are living alone. Um, you know I've reached out to people that I'm not really super close to, but I've read a post or something that kind of you know maybe sent them a song or you know what I mean. Uh, so, you know, it's all about pulling together. Yeah. 
That's beautiful that you're, you know, you're putting the music out there. I wanted to talk a little bit about the adaptation, as you mentioned, a lot of uh, independent artists like yourself, and even some big name artists that are like on the national scale, but more so in our, in our music community, how I know you through Jazz Fest and Jam Cruise and all that, there's been a lot of uh, transitioning to the online streaming platforms, which has been, you know, not that easy on the technological side. And there's a lot of like, yeah. you know, figuring it out as you go. What has been your experience? I watch one of your streams and uh, I want to give you the opportunity. I think that was one of the, in, in my circle of musician friends, I was one of the first that kind of popped up there. Um, you know, and the first one I did was really primitive and it was me in, in a room, you know, where I normally just kind of rehearse and, uh, playing to a phone where I couldn't read the screen and it was really kind of isolating and, uh, the pressure of trying to finish each song, is, you know, because when I'm sitting at home, I might just play half a song, you know, or I might work on a part or so you get to get in that mind space was weird. But then when it was over and I went back and read the comments and the donations, I was blown away. So it was like this wonderful experience too. And then this, I did another one uh, last week, and I had it set up much better. I kind of got my game up a little bit. I had a microphone. I had a better recorder, you know, and I, I could read the comments in real time, and um, that made it much more enjoyable because, I mean, I don't know what people get into music for, but I know what I got into music for, and it was the interaction. And when you're just playing in a room by yourself without interaction, it's uh, – it's not really what I signed up for. So I found a way to enjoy it, and I really enjoyed last week, and people have been wonderful. I mean, you know, everybody's dealing with their own hardships, and they're they're helping out where they can, no matter, you know, people have extra money than they give. You know, but it's a free thing, and uh, it's cool, you know. I mean, believe it or not, when I look back and see the donations, you know, all these $5 tips or $2 tips or whatever, I mean, that adds up. I fed my family for two weeks, basically, at, by playing once a week. So, and for me, that's great because I don't really have—I didn't have a huge calendar coming up, but I had work, and most of it was uncontracted, you know, without deposits and such. So, um, you know, and as you know, we were coming into April, which is pretty much a good, say, quarter of your salary all year. Yeah. That one month. So, um, you know, I was kind of. Personally, I was just coming out of a slow period, so I was happy to be digging out of that hole. So this came at a terrible time for that, but um, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the response I'm getting, and uh, it is rewarding enough to, you know, I'm writing set lists and I'm digging back in the catalog, and so I'm keeping my artistic side alive. You know, meanwhile, I'm gardening and cleaning backyards and organizing my record collection and <laughs> all the stuff you didn't have time for right yeah you know yeah so i mean and you know the, the family thing is it's nice to see my two children who are both teens you know interact in a positive way instead of in a negative way as teens sometimes do in the normal situation so uh you know there's positives that come out of all of it you know definitely got to see the silver linings yeah and it's it's kind of i mean this is my own preaching and stuff but I, the world has gotten so far gone greedy and crazy that this kind of puts us on a, a, uh, the same level no matter who you are 
Um, everybody's scared. Everybody's, you know, so um, and everybody's in the same position, no matter what, you know, how much money you could have made or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Everybody has a, a way their life has changed. So it's it's all put us back on the same page, at least. Um, sure. Like a great um, so, equalizer. Yeah. You know, like whatever leveling the play of playing field or whatever. But uh, it just so... In that way, I'm hoping that's a positive thing that comes out of it. Um, you know, it's going to be tough, and uh, I don't think it's a quick fix, and I, I don't think this is going to be, you know, I, I went through Katrina. I thought that I was only going to get one disaster in my lifetime, but uh, <laughs> yeah, here we go again. So you know, You're uniquely prepared emotionally and, and response-wise. Having lived through that, you know, it, it's not quite as, overwhelming maybe as it would have been had you not lived through Katrina. It's a, it's a whole different thing, but it, it has the same level of fear. Stress, stress is the key, you know, and you know, just that whole not knowing. Right. You know, at least, at least with the hurricane, after a while, you know, after two weeks, I knew that at some point I could go home. Um, <laughs> you know, right now I'm sitting here going, when can I leave home? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a flip the script it's for sure. Completely different, but similar. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy times. I'm happy to hear that the uh, the streaming has been so rewarding for you and on different levels, and hopefully that's inspiring for folks that listen to this to hear. Um, I know it's been a great way for artists to connect yeah, with their fans. I, 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 I've talked to people who are sidemen and stuff, and they say, well, we can't do that. And I'm like, uh, you know what? Most people that are listening out there might have a job at a cubicle, and they would love to know how a tuba works or how a saxophone works. You know, maybe you can't go up there and play for an hour and a half like I can, but you can go up there for 20 minutes, explain your instruments, tell some stories, blow a little bit, and... I think the average person would still tune in. They're, they're, you're not selling your music right now. You're selling the love of your music and what people support you, and um, they feel a part of it, and it's helpful to them, too, to see it. So um, I, 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 I would tend to try to persuade anybody who tells me they can't get up there with some kind of interest to maybe get people to help if they need it. Yeah, yeah, and there's like an intimacy you know, when I watch you perform or, or Nick Casarino or Lyle Davinsky, you know, just hearing sure. people sing these songs stripped down, there's an intimacy there. There's so much emotion in the performances because of the circumstances that it really yeah. transmits. And I think that that's why people are inclined to tip, even if they don't have a lot of money, because yeah, they, they mean, feel it that. Was, it puts us in that uncomfortable zone a little bit as artists. I mean, we're used to getting on stages and you think that's hard. Well, we're used to that part. But now, you, like you say, there is a certain intimacy to it. Like, oh, you know, this is my house. Nobody knows this part of me, you know. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I do find it to be pretty rewarding in that aspect, and um, I think that'll also brings power back to the artist, which I love to see. Yeah, also a great equalizer. Not just the elite people or rich people, but also like wherever you are as an artist, like it's been very leveling and, and yeah, equalized. Not to mention, I've seen some great shows without leaving my house recently. I mean, <laughs> I can't beat that. Al Demiola. I mean, these guys are in their living rooms playing for you too, and it's like, holy cow! Aaron Neville's living room was unbelievable too. <laughs> oh man! Al Demiola killed me though. I was like, I better put the guitar down, man. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And then Ivan's was great the other night too, and yep. Anders and. 
Um, you know, so I'm, I, and it, to be honest with you, if I was home, I wouldn't be going out seeing that much music. So it's kind of cool. And in that way, I've been really enjoying it. So, yeah. And then you can just pick up your, either you put your guitar down cause you're like, you know, blown away by out, or you can pick it right up cause you know, you're in your living room. Yeah. True, you know, very true. Yeah. So, you know, that's really inspiring and positivity. And, and that's really, I think what people love to hear. Um, I definitely want to discuss some other stuff with you with regard to, you know, the festivals changing and moving and the sure. impact on the culture. But let's, this is going to go on for a while, as you mentioned. Uh, so we'll pick that stuff up in a few weeks. Let's let's leave folks with that really beautiful, positive sure. stuff that, that you just delivered. And, and to wrap it up, I wanted to ask, because obviously, you know, I really love your catalog, but I also love a lot of the artists that you are influenced by or celebrate. So I'm just curious what, if anything, if you could pick one song or one artist that's really getting you through these times. Who, oh, you know. oh, God. I, I would say that my normal routine is to get into one artist for a while. Um, right now, and I think it's because I decided to clean out my record collection. I'm just listening to different ones all the time, and it's that's really what's getting me through. I can't. I mean, I listened to an old ZZ Top record the other day, and then I went to Fred Wesley and the Horny Horns, and I listened to a Radiators album that I didn't even know I had. You know, like I bought it when I was a teenager. You know, so um, it, yeah, it's I can't say one artist. Okay. Well, you gave me three good ones. That's great. If I had to go, my go-to, if I if they said, well, you can only listen to one more artist, I'd have to say Bob Marley. So, you know, yeah. it's that obvious for me. <laughs> yeah, I've been on a steady diet of reggae. I'm actually talking to you from way out in the sticks in NorCal, and we've been on a steady diet of all reggae. Just really, really uh, spiritual music at these times. It is. It always, I mean, I listen to it in headphones before I go on stage most times because it puts me somewhere more positive and takes me out of the the uh, so-called rat race for a minute so i will um that's always in my that's always spinning at some point but yeah and that's really what's happening here with this epic pause is is taking us all out of the rat race for a minute yeah uh, that's you know i the you gotta look for some of the silver lining and uh, yeah. that's definitely part of it so Right on, Billy. Well, we'll keep watching you on your streams and listening to your music. And, uh, you know, I'm glad yeah. that we got a chance to hear from you. Where can people find right. you? Um, Wednesday nights, basically. Um, but I am starting at different times now and then because I've been using other host sites. So, But if you go to my Facebook page, you'll find out all the info you need. Um, the next one, is, of course, is April Fool's Day at 4.20 New Orleans time. All right. Well, we'll definitely – this will go up before then. And uh, actually, on it'll be on Wednesday. This is going to likely come out. So hopefully we'll get it out in time for people to hear it. Yeah, and, right. and and the best part is, uh, you know, they're saved on there. So you can always revisit them after that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, people wake up in the morning and they sit, type to me, oh, I missed your show. I'm like, man, it's still up there. <laughs> yep. Technology is a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, it, it can be. It well, it can, can be. be. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a slippery well, slope. It, it was good to hear your voice. And Likewise. Nice to talk to people. Um, especially right now, and uh, hang in there. You do the same, and we'll definitely check in with you in a couple of weeks for an update. All right. Well, thank All you right. very much. Yeah. Peace and love. Yeah. Love to you. Peace. So
Dub effects. You know, I wanted to come out the gates with something really hard. Just a uh, huge fan of this dub plate. Slew Dem, Capleton Dub FX. I want to say thank you, Billy Ayuso. That was a great powwow as usual. And check Billy out on, it sounds like Wednesday nights, he's going to be doing his live stream. Take care of the tip jar for all the artists, everybody out there streaming. I'm going to do some more uh, plugging of different events and stuff, but I kind of just came off the hill and threw this podcast together. Uh, and, and next week, I'm going to try to have a, a little bit of a special section uh, for the different live stream endeavors. But uh, Quest Love every night, five, six, seven hours. Stevie Wonder, Native Tongue, Slow Jams, Reggae, you name it. Quest, Amir, we love you. Thank you. Everybody, check that out on uh, YouTube and IG. Yeah, I've been doing it like every freaking night. So, shout out Quest Love. <clears throat> shout out Badu. She did the Apocalypse One concert. That was fantastic. She's got another one in the pipeline, I think, in about a week. So uh, with that, we're going to move into the Vibe Junkie Jam of the Week. It kind of feels funny doing that with all the serious topics and stuff, but with music is what gets us through. I've been on the heavy reggae kick. I don't think I'm going to be exclusive for the whole Isolation Station series, strictly reggae. But, you know, Ital is Vital. Lotal is Fatal. So for now, we're going to stick with the, with the vibes. And you're, uh, you're going to ride out with my man, Lutan Faya. It's a dub plate. I don't even know what it's called. But uh, he's just slaying over the Dr. Dre uh, beat from Chronic 2001. The shit is bananas. Just like this Capleton shit you're hearing right now. So this is how I'm getting by out on the mountain uh, with the uh, reggae vibration. So I want to say thanks to everybody who tuned in thanks to uh kendall and cp and billy and everyone out there uh just big love and uh, live your best life live the upful life to the best of your abilities at this time love each other love yourselves and uh we'll see you in about a week on the upful life podcast i'm your host b gets yes indeedy Yeah, I'm gonna tell you something. This is I Ride Sound, the boom sound. Me, I yeah, sound man. Jerome.
Yeah, man, I said Jericho, it's all blessed. Me, I said, oh, not good over evil. Let the horizon all is the enemy, them scatter, yes. They that take him, flee the presence of Rasta. Who yeah, he was, yes, sir. Oh, yeah, he. King Emmanuel the seventh, yes. I lose and get them on your back.